Hi there, and welcome to Grief is My Superpower. I'm Mark Lemon, award-winning children's author, bereavement ambassador, and your host for this podcast. Each week, I'll be interviewing incredible people that get open and honest about their own experience with grief. When I was 12 years old, my dad was murdered, and my life changed forever. I try to explore with my guests if it's possible to live a happy and fulfilled life after the death of a loved one. You can find me as The Dad Author on Instagram and at the Lemon Drop Books website. For this episode, I've stayed in Bristol to speak with award-winning blogger-turned-author, Sarah Turner, aka The Unmumsy Mum. Sarah is wife to James and mother to her three boys, Henry, Jude and Will. Sarah speaks to me about the death of her mum and how it shaped her outlook on life. You can find Sarah on Instagram as The Unmumsy Mum. Please subscribe, rate and leave us a comment wherever you are listening to this podcast. By doing this, it will help us to reach more people in need of support at a tough time. This podcast is in support of children's bereavement charity, Winston's Wish. Okay, so today I haven't travelled far. I am in Bristol and for our listeners... I'm joined by a very special guest, someone who I have followed on Instagram and has also been very kind in terms of giving us a quote on the back of the magical wood and being very supportive. And it's Sarah Turner, aka the Unmumsy Mum. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right, thank you. I'm even better now. You've given me a fancy brownie. <laughs> That's the way. That's the way, Mark. That's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, oh God, you're going to tell our guests that now. We're going to expect a brownie <laughs> yeah, exactly. and other artisan bakery <laughs> treats um so yeah i don't know if you can for those that don't know you are you yep. able to give the the listeners who a little I bit am. of an introduction who, yeah who are you and where do you come from uh yeah so my name is sarah i am a mum of three boys uh i live in exeter so not too far from you and i am a blogger turned author i suppose is what you would class me as had a blog got offered a book deal i'm just about to, well in the autumn publish book number three um yeah doing up a, a house renovation project in our spare time which obviously <laughs> there isn't any so yeah. uh yeah that's in a nutshell that is that that's is me you. yeah talking briefly about moving from blogger into author was that quite a natural thing or were you someone a publishing company contacted you and said I basically uh, um lived the dream which is that somebody got in contact and said you know we've read your we've read your blogs online and feel like your writing lends itself to to a work of non-fiction how do you how do you fancy it I didn't play it cool at all I kind of ran in <laughs> victory laps around my kitchen oh my god oh my god and um yeah it's been brilliant I absolutely love writing books it's um yeah yeah and you're amazing it is the dream. because you know I, last night I was sitting at home and I looked to my left and there was your book staring at me I was like oh perfect seeing her tomorrow yeah um I know, it went yeah. bright on the color so you can't forget it it's like there you go <laughs> no you can't so okay so you know, obviously the rationale around this podcast is to give young people and adults hope after grief and bereavement. Are you able to share with us your own grief story? Yeah, please? of course. It would, be re- it would be really awkward if I'd come here and I was like, no, actually, no, I, mean, well, I don't, I don't want to talk do about it. that. And you'd be like, no, that's what, that's what this is about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, of course, um, I um, lost my mum to breast cancer when I was 15. Uh, it was 
something that she had had for um, quite a lot of my childhood, really. Um, first diagnosed, I think, when I was about in year five. So I don't know what that makes me would make me about nine or ten, maybe not the last year of primary school, but the one before it um, was when she was first diagnosed. And then we kind of lived with it. There was a brief period of remission and then it came back. And yeah, that was that. She died on Boxing Day 2012. So yeah, I've, I've had better Christmases, <laughs> as yeah, right. you said. <clears throat> it's that kind of, such an awkward time for anyone to die, you know, any time yeah. in your life, but 15, you yes. know, I was 12 when my dad died. Yes. 15 is obviously a little bit older, but yeah. how did you find the sort of teenage? It's weird. It's weird because I feel like, in some ways, I coped better at 15 in terms of resilience and just getting on with life than I feel I perhaps would have coped if it happened to me now. I think teenagers can naturally be, um, I don't know, quite, I was. I think I was quite um, self-centered in the, in the way that teenagers just are. And so it was a massive shock and, and like the devastation, but also there was an element of, well, I need to do my GCSEs and that's what mum would have wanted me to do so I need to crack on I think I had a long weekend and a Monday off for the funeral and then I went back to school on the Tuesday and I remember walking down the corridor and and, and people looking because they'd had an, they'd had like a note in assembly you know set just FYI Sarah's mum's died so can everybody tread carefully please but um yeah I remember that so clearly it's a I, horrible feeling I had that too and I remember you know you mentioned about a couple of days a couple of days off and you're back yeah. in and that I was, I was exactly the same. And you do, you have that sense of people knowing what's happened yeah. to you, and the pity looks, the, the pity the looks, tilt and of the standing the head. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you, how did you deal I with that? I don't know. I think I, I had. Um, it's, it's weird how how people that are close to you respond as well. I had friends that kind of really stepped up to the plate, and then I had friends who, um, through no fault of their own, I think perhaps because they were too young or inexperienced, immature, whatever it might be, uh, really struggled to... So I had friends who actually never spoke about the elephant in the room. It was like... And I don't know whether or not at times that was helpful. It was straight back into, you know, shall we go and, you know, shall we walk to geography together from PE? Or, and no, like, I'm really sorry about your mum. Whereas I had other friends. You also get... It's a terrible... It's a terrible thing to say, but almost like grief magpies you get people who all of a sudden have a lot more of an interest in you than they ever had before something dramatic and exciting happened at 15 somebody dying is kind of it was drama at school so people that perhaps weren't as friendly with me before it was all of a sudden do you want to come around and be my new best friend and oh you know tell me more about your mum dying you, you were know. different yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it becomes a bit of a tragedy you know and um and yeah they're it, it, it's it's kind of astounding how people behave I think it's a it's a strange one but generally speaking you know friends and family were you know rallied round and, and were there I felt supported but I also just wanted to get to get on with it I didn't want somebody to sit me down and say how are you feeling it was too soon and so I wanted to throw myself back into just studying and I just want I just was desperate for things to be normal again and even that though that's naive yeah. Sense, yeah and it can't be normal again because you have to you kind of have to deal with it. But I don't know, did you find you had kind of phases where there's like an initial wave of, oh my God, this is the worst thing. And then I definitely did the 
burying my head in the sand, burying my feelings for about six months. And Oh, yeah, absolutely. You sort of have that, you know, could be a year, could be two yeah. years of just getting on with it yeah. and, and not talking about it. Because I think back in those days, probably for you as well, um, it just, it was like stiff up a lip, move on. Yeah. You know, like you said, you only had a couple of days off school. Yeah. And then you were thrown back into it. Um, yeah. And yeah, and it's also funny, like you said, about those people who, Sort of found it really difficult how to approach talking yeah and to I you. understand it because actually what what do you say so it was I think it was always a fear of saying the wrong thing and therefore the decision was made just to not say anything um and you know sometimes um, sometimes that was the right decision because sometimes I didn't want to talk about it but sometimes all I wanted was for somebody to say you know it was like people stopped mentioning mum at all and actually, even if it had had the risk of upsetting me because it was a, a fond memory, I would rather somebody had said, oh, do you remember, Sarah, when your mum used to do this? But actually, it was like, we won't talk about her anymore because she's dead. So there's that's, you know, off limits as a conversation, which I felt like she was kind of being erased. And that yeah. was hard. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of um, bereaved people feel, isn't it? If you don't talk about them, then that yeah. slowly distant memory starts yes. to fade. And then you feel like you're being um, disloyal in a way it's it's that feeling of if i'm not if i'm not talking about her will other people think that i've forgotten her because i haven't i'm thinking about her every day but also there comes a point when you have to talk about other things yeah. and um yeah. yeah and i think it's weird of everybody that i've ever spoken to who has lost someone will always describe there'll be a point as you say whether or not it's a couple of months after six months a year five years after there will be a point when the kind of biggest wave of grief will hit and for me it was about six months after so I I had actually functioned pretty well um I went to school I was I was you know cram revising I was super studious so you know for me it would have been a real worry to let my exam results fall and I'm sure there was an element of thinking well mum wouldn't you know mum would want me to do well so I just need to crack on and I kind of life was normal ish and I would people say how are you and I go yeah I'm okay and I what I what you know I was okay but it's because I hadn't really dealt with it and then summer came I'd done my exams and then it kind of hit a bit I think and I started feeling feeling very down do you think that's when you were left with your own thoughts yeah in the sense when I wasn't busy your focus is yeah. done yeah you know, you've got on with that and now it's like yeah okay definitely I saw um I did, I saw a bereavement counsellor um, and I can remember the first few sessions. It was really, I found it very awkward, but I think that's because it wasn't the right time. Like you have to be in the right place. And actually, I can't remember. I want to say he was called Murray. It was really, really lovely man came around um, and came around to the house, saw me and, and then my sister and, you know, just encouraged us to talk about our feelings in a safe space. But the first time, first couple of times he came round, I didn't want, I, I didn't want, so I went through the motions and went, yeah, I'm feeling very sad, but there was no feeling attached to it. Yeah. And then kind of halfway through that, I think it, I was sort of walloped with it. And then it was just, yeah, indescribable kind of pain. It's like a physical pain, isn't it? It is. It's, it's like a physical pain. It goes in various stages also, like you said. Yeah. Um, and I was I was speaking to somebody the other day whose whose dad had died from cancer, and and I asked the question in terms of when you find out that obviously they've got the cancer yeah. and perhaps they've got only a such amount of time left. Yeah. Do you find there is that 
grieving process of then and then after did you find that yeah I think I found it was weird because we it wasn't quite as clear-cut in that we were given um shortly before well it must have been the beginning of December in 2012 and mum was taken into hospital so she'd taken kind of a turn for the worse an ambulance came and but she was so with it she was sat up kind of on the ambulance bed wait like like pissing around basically pretending to do the royal wave at neighbors even though it was kind of you know you might we need to get you to hospital but still very much like the mum we knew and loved joking you know from then to three or four weeks later it was a very it was quite a quick deterioration of her condition really to not being able to get out of bed to eventually being in what was some kind of I guess I don't know because at 15 I didn't really know what was going on so all I have is the mem- is the memories I haven't almost delved back into well what was happening then but I just remember her being very out of it almost in like a medically induced coma you know f- for pain management I so guess. So was she at home? No in no, hospital. She in hospice, yeah, yeah she was at Dereford Hospital in Plymouth right. and um and so we were traveling forwards and backwards from home in Launceston in Cornwall, which isn't, you know, too far from Plymouth, but isn't down the road. It's, you know, maybe, I don't know, 40 minutes or whatever. And um, I remember all the journeys traveling across the Tamar Bridge and it would be like stupid things. I remember like making sure we had money for the toll on the bridge and then having like, there's, it's always like the songs of the particular time. If people, you know, they do like a guess a year on the radio sometimes. And if it's 2002, I know it because I'm like, that was that year. Yeah. I, you know um and that's, yeah. that, that's quite interesting though isn't it thinking about music and things that really stand out at particular yes. times so like i remember 1992 i had a soul to soul album yeah and i'd listen to it on my walkman yeah you know, back nice then. yeah but it's funny how if i listen to that song now it triggers mm. you know those kind of going back to those yeah. memories we i've we, there are a couple of things so we had um it was coldplay the scientist was a song that i had on um on repeat um at that time anyway and then um when mum did die it became kind of i when i needed to feel sad it was almost like my grief anthem i would put it on it it was like that's what i needed and and it was one of those songs where the words just seemed to fit and for years and years i was really quite unable to listen to that song if it came on the radio or on a music channel i would have to leave the room or turn it off and then i saw coldplay live at radio one's big weekend in Exeter and I said to James my husband beforehand they're going to do that song and it's going to make me it's going to make me really sad and actually I found it quite a healing I mean if ever you were going to listen to the whole song from start to finish like live open air seeing the back it was kind of all the chills but also I think I kind of felt like I'd moved on to the next stage of yeah. grief maybe I can hear it now and, I, and I'll think to myself that's that song but it doesn't make me want to go and curl up into a ball and cry. You know, it's it effectively helped me to to grieve, I suppose. So um, it's it served a purpose. And so hearing it live was kind of, I mean, it's a great wow, song. it is a great song. Yeah. yeah, it's a great song, but also kind of a, I'm like, oh, I've been there for God's sake, can't play. <laughs> Comes on the radio, I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, I but it's funny that that's, that's a song that you might tr- kind of traditionally think is a sad, you know, quite sad, depressing vibe to it but actually it can be some of the happier songs if they remind you say if if it reminds you of your dad or for me there are songs where I can remember my mum singing really badly and thinking that always reminds me of like um the bangles eternal flame she always used to sing it and she always used to add you know um give me your hand and she'd always go darling like really like pronounce like and it just I just 
if ever I hear that song, I, I smile, you know, it's a smile, but it's also quite sad. Yeah. So we talked about, you know, counselling, um, sort of coping techniques. Did you find any useful, I mean, music is obviously an amazing one. Do you find it strange that you've moved into doing something creative in terms of writing? Has that, yeah. has that helped? It has. Like the, 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 the things that I've written that have been, when I wrote the first book, I was just, um, <laughs> I hate the use of the word journey, but it was a bit of a journey in thinking, well, it's kind of my parenting adventure. And, you know, when you've lost somebody that's so close to you that would have been such an like instrumental part of your life but then no longer there um it kind of informs everything you do doesn't it it's there in the background sometimes in the foreground but it's always there and so it felt wrong to write the book without dedicating a chapter to my mum which is what I did and I kind of wrote it as a letter and it's not something I'd done before and um yeah I did find it I did find it helpful do you think in terms of the way you parent your children has that kind of affected you (laughs) in yes any way no. I mean I, I think of this one as well in terms of maybe the way I want to be a dad or father to yeah. my kids and I don't know do you think that might have I don't know there are certain things um when um when mum died and it was around cr- the Christmas period I it was a real kind of sliding doors moment in terms of which way life went into me either becoming somebody that hates Christmas forevermore or loves Christmas and because we'd I'd had such happy Christmases in childhood it was I kind of knew very definitely even in the real like height of grief instantly that I wouldn't let Christmas be ruined because that was our family thing and Christmases were always um I've written about it in 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 my third book that Christmases were always um kind of warm you know full of fun um full of chocolate just that real i can i can almost go back and i can taste it i can smell it it's a real like moment in time as a memory and so i suppose there's always part of me that's trying to recreate the same christmas vibe for my children i feel like i do christmas as well there are lots of things i do terribly as a parent (laughs) but when it comes to christmas i want my children to have the same feelings that me and my sister had yeah in our christmases so it's kind of I feel like it's almost like mum's legacy in a way. It's it's the family Christmases, but they've been the, the baton's been passed down to me much sooner than I hoped it would because I would have liked for mum to have been involved yeah. in our Christmases, but she's not. So it's like, what can I do to? It's like you're doing it for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's still there in your memory. Yeah, and stuff. exactly. So I do, you know, um, th- th- there are definitely moments like that. Um, but I also think I dumped, sometimes wonder if I would be a better parent if I had my mum around because because i'd have that sounding board and support you know of going oh my god i can't cope today the kids are wild you know help me and because i don't i think i probably vent at other people or online a lot more than if yeah. i'd had that kind of buddy maybe i don't know it's a relationship i certainly see in others that, that I think could be are. the power of online can't it yeah you know, definitely in that supportive sense yeah we talked a little bit off mic saying that but yeah. in a sense of you know <laughs> variants of grief and everyone's individual but you know recently you've found out some really sad news yeah a friend of mine um died very recently and it was a complete shock and I think what I said to you was um even if the feelings even if the feelings that you know what follows are it's kind of a spectrum of there's, there are definitely similarities. I'm sure there are parts of the process that everybody goes through, but that initial 
delivery of the news I had not experienced that before I you know I knew mum you know I hadn't expected her to die so soon um but I I kind of you know knew that she was going to die um this was somebody that I spoke to last week no you know died very suddenly uh and so it's different the grief feels different and that's that surprised me I kind of thought you know whatever happened but there are different feelings tangled up with I think if it's a shock and I'm you know I'm sure with you and with your dad um there there's no simple oh that's very sad because there perhaps is you know you've got anger and shock and all those other things as well yeah it's 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 sort of sledgehammer grief yes, in a sense yeah. you know you're walking down the road and then the next thing bang you yeah know. it was it was one of those phone calls somebody phoned me and said where are you you know do you have supportive people around you and I, you know can you can you sit down and I, I've never so known anything like it. So that's the way like that they it. put it to you. I mean, yeah. what, which is obviously, you know, it was. Fine. We want to tell you now because um, they aren't, weren't close to me geographically. So it's, nobody could get to me to tell me in person. And we want to tell you now because with the way of the world these days, you'll find out. So we need to let you know. But where are you? And um, and I've just spent the last few days going, I can't, I can't believe it. It's just so sad. So when sad. did you find that out? Yesterday. Oh, it was yesterday. Yeah. Wow. Yesterday. And I said to you, you know, on arrival, I don't think I've probably fully processed it yet. But that that feeling of, um, that you said that sledgehammer of, I can't. But yeah, it's it's it's. And I don't remember there wasn't that feeling with Mum. If anything, it was more of a sledgehammer being told she had cancer. That was where the moment where the rugs pulled out from under your feet. That's what I've heard. Um, yeah. Because you know that, is, that cancer is a bad, th- even at however I must have been old at the time, eight or nine, um, I knew that was very sick. My mum and dad had never once sat me and my sister down to have a chat about anything that I can remember ever. So we were at friends for a Halloween party and we came home kind of high on Haribo and in costumes probably. And... Um, you know it was we've got something to tell you and they did all the right things if it's not something that you need to be worried about mummy's gonna have to have treatment and but I knew this was big and all of a sudden I felt like um my life was no longer running along the same course as my friends who didn't have the same worries and you know it was weird chats became about chemo and and all that sort of stuff rather than yeah topics completely changed and so I mean going back to yesterday and finding out about you know your your friend and your colleague yeah in terms of the feelings and the emotions that you're going through now probably you know um how do you think you might process it in terms of you know it doesn't get easy when you hear about somebody dying immediately it's Um, it's um it's i keep i keep switching back between thinking i'm getting on with my day normally and then it's like you that you know you remember actually I've just been told somebody's died um and so I found myself looking at pictures you know of her of her with our boys um and I still don't think I I think if you'd said to me oh can you come and record the podcast in two weeks time I probably might then have been like no I can't but really strangely it was like it happened yesterday so I don't think I've processed it yet and so it's weird but all I can all I know is that initial you know the yesterday's shock which is just like a punch in the a punch in the gut it's the comprehension that they're not there anymore isn't it yeah 
And even today, I got sent in a message about something from somebody else where um, Sophie, who um, who was my friend, I would have been the first person I would have screenshotted this and sent it to. And almost without thinking, I screenshotted it and then thought, I can't, there's nobody to send it to. Like the kind of finality of it is weird. Yeah. It's it's strange and it's hard to get your head around, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't and think you ever take, do. No, you don't. You never get. No. <clears throat> you never get used to it, and I think that you know maybe that's the next question is you know, and I used to think time is my healer, but in a sense, it's not. You just learn to build your grief around yes. the time. Yeah. And like you were talking about Christmas and yeah. the key sort of events throughout yeah. the year, you know, you just you know your sort of uh, grief level might go up or yeah, down. Yeah, definitely. I think. Um, like having experienced a recent loss, it has reminded me that the intensity of those feelings do change over time. You do, you know, I think I think that's important because if anybody's listening that's going through very, you know, recent grief and is thinking, you know, this is never going to get better because I can never live without that person. Um, to a certain extent, you don't ever feel any less sad. But like you say, you do learn to live with it and you can have a really bloody happy life, you know? Like it doesn't have yeah. to be, uh, you, know, my, you know, my life is very happy. I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate in many, many ways. And I'm aware of that. Um, so it's more that those, that remembering that something's missing, I think you just learn to live with it and not bury it but it's kind of just always there as a that feeling that you know when you forget to pack you know you're leaving the house and you forget to you, you're worried that you've forgotten to pack something well, like home alone with yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of always there's there's always something missing that should be there that's yeah you know you're you that like in my life um you know my mum is never not missing but she also would not have wanted me and my sister to live our, you know, put our lives on hold or live in a kind of perpetual state of mourning. Um, because I think when you lose somebody, as well as thinking life's so unfair, you also have such an increased awareness of how, what a privilege it is to be alive. And that's, that's perfect because this is the whole ethos around this podcast is grief is my superpower in the sense yeah. of it's there to be used to understand that life can be short and it, yeah it's a it's a it's a club that you never want to be in exactly. and yet when you meet people who have lost somebody close to them um, and that's not to say obviously that anybody's experiences are the same I'm sure it's very different you know I, I for, for example cannot imagine I would never say to somebody that's lost a child or well, like you know my mum died so I can I can appreciate what you're because I cannot imagine what it would be like to lose a child um I can only speak from you know that that from as a child who lost a who lost a parent um it's kind of it is a club that you don't want to be in, but it's a common ground like no other. And actually just being able to, just being able to talk about it, you do have a, a, uh, a different perspective on life, 
I think. And you, it can be easy to fall into the trap of losing that perspective. I moan about the most ridiculous things all the time. You can't always be level-headed. I think I'm stressed at the moment because we've got work going on in our, you know, home renovation and we're juggling jobs and kids. And You know, talk about first world problems. These are good problems to have. Oh no, the digger that's doing our extension is causing us chaos. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's actually life goals, if anything else. Sometimes I allow my thoughts to get run, they run away with me and I think I'm very, very stressed. And then I just think you know to not take any day for granted because you just don't you just don't know it was weird yesterday because it was almost like um it was almost like a grief memory because I felt grief in the moment for my friend but then I also it brought back memories of that intensity of the grief and then I realized actually how far I have come all these years later that I don't wake up every day and feel like that anymore I just don't I think about my mum every day but I don't not every day is a sad day um you know there are lots of very happy days it's just yeah it's 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 weird how that your relationship with the grief changes over time definitely ebbs and flows yeah it does and sometimes it can peak when you don't expect it yeah when you don't expect it to um that's weird I find that I mentally prepare myself for things like Mother's Day, um, which actually I don't find gem- on the whole is a sad day because I'm a mum now. So there's that. It's a different. It's taken on a new meaning, yeah. uh, and so I very much I focus on that. But I have to kind of mentally prepare myself it's like I give myself a pep talk and say that you're now going to be bombarded with adverts there will be show your mum she's really special with a bunch of flowers adverts coming at you on the telly and actually as soon as I know that I'm fine it's like that preparation um where I've struggled is in the world of being a blogger or influencer hate the word is being sent messages that say hi Sarah we really love your channel um just wanted to invite you and your mum to a spa day um blah, blah, blah. Yeah. and it's um i don't it's, there's no blame from from me in terms of the pr companies and what have you they'd have to probably delve quite far to find that history but it's the it's that one email where i'm on my way to somewhere that i can't stop my mind going there for how lovely would it have been to have taken my mum for a spa day and um yeah those are the things that used to get me as well seeing my friends with their dads yeah. and you know, like you said, Father's Day. And it used to affect me a lot more when I was younger. And obviously now I'm a parent, it's different because it's sort of yeah. more about me. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is great. But there is that kind of element of you're still, he's still in my thoughts. Yes. Like, I think the only thing that's helped me or perhaps is in terms of coping mechanisms i mean there have been some terrible coping mechanisms alcohol was always a terrible one that's something i did in my you know underage drinking at 16 that was such a good idea to go out drinking every weekend i can tell you now it's not a good idea you feel brilliant in the evening and actually the the following you know the hangover beer fear and dreads that you get is so much worse when you're grieving it's just like a pit of despair just don't do it to yourself um but actually for me has been to kind of focus on um how lucky and what what a privilege it is to have something to grieve so for me i know so many people who have had um difficult relationships with their mums or no relationship at all or whose mum left and didn't want anything to do with them or who um grew up in foster care or you know all those things that then actually um yes my mum did die and she was poorly but we my my you know my upbringing was a very happy one and therefore I'm sad because I've missed that and I've missed out on what's next but there is still that very close relationship to mourn and I think that 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 makes 
you th- it flips it on its head slightly to think you know it, uh, you, that you're you feel lucky to have something that's yeah. that's missed um, no i'm completely the same if um <clears throat> I said my fondest memories when my dad is playing sport and football and tennis and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And and so now Otis is getting to an age where he's, you know, he's eight years old and yeah. he's getting into sport. And he's, and so, I, like you just said, I'm trying to channel all of those memories into yeah. what we're doing together now. And and I think that's a special thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, For it anyone is. that's, yeah. That's the thing. And they're the ways in which that person, you know, that's not with you anymore, they do live on but they live on in the influences of what you you know who you are and what you do what they've taught you even if it's only a small number of kind of your formative years mm. all of that has such an impact on who you become so it's do you think your mum has taught you things that you've taken on up till now yeah I think so and sometimes it makes me laugh because the things I used to take the mickey out of my mum for so for example if we have ever we went out anywhere for a weekend um my mum would not buy us lunch out that was an absolute no-no we would take a packed lunch because because there would be no need to buy sandwiches because she could make sandwiches at home that was and me and my sister would roll our eyes because all we wanted was to be taken to mcdonald's or whatever but lo and behold you know come rain or shine mum would whip out a ham sandwich and a packet of crisps and um and i find myself now sometimes saying well you know no need to you know, family five, it's quite expensive for us to eat out. I'll just pack up a little. And I, and I think to myself, oh, my, you know, mum would, mum would be proud of this, that we've taken, that we've taken a picnic. Pack lunches yeah, all the way. Yeah, yeah, pack lunches all around. <clears throat> but equally, sometimes when we like splurge on something, I do think, I do have a little chuckle and think mum would not be, mum would not be happy about this. It's a bit this. extravagant. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I'm really kind of into the whole home interior stuff at the moment. And sometimes I buy things and my mum would just have been like, that is so unnecessarily fancy there's just no need for it i mean we had the same sofas for all of my childhood that came from my nan my mum never got a new sofa and it was only after that she died and we were kind of um the sofas had packed in basically and me and my dad had to go and choose a new sofa and it kind of marked a you know we're getting a new sofa and this is a decision that mum isn't involved it's like in. a new era it was weird and I, I remember thinking to myself then it's great that she was so sensible with money but at the same time she died without ever having bought herself a sofa <laughs> like so I don't I think maybe the flip re, like the reverse of that is I'm like if I want a new sofa and we can afford a sofa I'll damn well buy, buy a sofa because life's too short not to, just, not get to the sofa. just get the sofa yeah mum should have had more sofas that's <laughs> that's for sure that's a lovely way of looking at it um yeah and I'm, I'm pretty much the same to be honest um in terms of like remembering your mum um if there were sort of three things and i know this is probably quite hard because there's loads of things about your yeah. mum and we probably just touched on it a little bit but yeah if there's three things that make you smile about your mum yeah i can remember her silly dancing um i can remember her dancing around the kitchen to uh, Tom Jones sex bomb but singing sex bomb sex bomb I'm a sex bomb with an apron on um, and us all just being like that really you know that cringe age where you're like oh mom you're so embarrassing but also at the same time absolutely loving it like um, so I can remember that her kind of silliness um, yeah her being frugal with things so not just the sandwiches but she also went to Lakeland Plastics once and bought a contraption that would get the very last of any condiment out of the jar 
So basically, you know, when you finish a jar and you kind of give it a bit of a scrape? No, not my mum. She would have like, it was like, I can't, I don't even know what you call it. So like a I've suction never, device. No, it was like a really, really long, like extendable kind of like almost like a spatula but so you could get you could make that mayonnaise bottle last for one more portion of mayonnaise and now sometimes if I like chuck something out I think to myself mum mum would have probably cut that bottle in half and scraped out the um so yeah that's definitely that kind of being thrifty with things um and then probably just the that kind of real that that feeling of being of feeling loved I can remember as a child, I was, I mean, I was the geekiest child. I'm talking like full plastic rimmed NHS glasses, fringe that started like halfway back of my head and came all the way like below my eyebrows. Like it was like fringe and glasses combo together was like a helmet. Like it's, not, it's, it's kind of hardly unsurprising. I had it's pretty cool I had, in East London. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I had no, uh, I had no boyfriends. Um, and I can remember a couple of friends of mine getting, um, valentine's cards this is when i just started secondary school and kind of making a joke and saying to my mum like oh you know how nice it must be for somebody to show an interest in you on valentine's day and on on valentine's day a card came through our front door addressed to me and it just said in my mum's right it didn't say it was from mum but it just said in my mum's writing uh, just remember we love you 24 7 365 and a proper valentine's card that she bought <laughs> from the shop and i've kept it i've still got it but you it was that it. yeah i've still got it i'm oh, not amazing. i've got very few things but i've got a couple of bits where you know do, do you ever wish that you kept more things so this has been a topic talked about with my previous guests and um yeah i've got my dad's old wax jacket which still smells waxy yeah um so I went back to Cambridge and saw my mum back in uh, November and she gave it to me and I put it on and it is a bit big for me. But yeah. I put it on and I was just like, God, this still smells the same. And it's like, it's such an emotive thing, isn't it? Keeping those. Yeah. And I've probably got things that like binoculars and stuff. I, yeah, I didn't keep, I feel like I didn't keep enough. And I think it's because Operation clear out which sounds awful but there comes a point I can remember helping my dad because I couldn't bear the thought of my dad going through all my mum's things on his own so we tackled it together we spent a weekend going through wardrobes and we were very methodical it was you know in the, probably in the spirit of my mum it was these are good clean clothes they must go to a charity shop or and we worked through it almost removing the emotion and just and just but there were certain things um I kept a little teddy bear that I'd bought my mum from the corner shop that was a Mother's Day teddy that says number one mum on it. And, if, and I must have saved up my pocket money and bought it and she'd had it on her dressing table. So I kept that. And there were a couple of other things. But I wish I'd I wish I'd kept so much more, but I, you don't know to at the time, do you? I mean, even now, my sisters are like, do you want this? I've yeah. still got dad's records. Or, yeah. And I'm part of me is like, I don't really want them, but I, don't I feel want you bad to, yeah. if they got rid of them. Yeah. So... <clears throat> One yeah. thing we haven't talked about actually is: do you is your mum quite present in your kids' life in lives um, in terms of conversations? Yeah. So do you bring her up much? Yes, yeah, we do. Um, so um, not too far from where we are, um, we have mum's ashes were scattered on a beach, but we also have a memorial bench that's somewhere else, and we visit Nanny Debbie's bench quite a lot. We'll take flowers, and um, Henry, I think, at seven, totally 
understands that's very sad um dude at four is like a dagger to the heart why isn't she here why did she die you know kind of the brilliance of kids i love the bluntness but also sometimes i'm not i'm not expecting it um you know it's kind of yeah thank thanks buddy um yeah, it's just a bit like where's grandpa oh he's dead yeah yeah that's what jude will say he'll say i had a nanny debbie too but she died and it's like you know we're in the middle of soft play i'm having to yes she, yes yes she did um but it's factual you know it's that yeah. that is that's all they know they they you know tragically they never got to meet her so they know her through photos and through me saying you know your nanny debbie yeah. um but yeah i think there's an awareness but um, she will never really, sadly, mean that much to the kids, I don't think. No. Because she can't, because they don't know her to know what they're missing, which is very sad. But then equally, I'm glad that they're not sad. <laughs> um, there's no need for them to be sad. No I can be for sad be for sad. everyone. Yeah. Um, wow, this has been a really great chat. And, you know, time has kind of gone really quickly, as every conversation does to do with this subject, because it's such a motive subject everyone's grief is different um, i think when you're talking to somebody else that gets it as well even yeah. though i know our grief journeys can be are probably not alike in so many ways but there are always parallels so i don't know it's weird it's not it's not that i wouldn't there are lots of people that i would talk to openly about my mum, and yet for some reason it's easier to talk to somebody who has experienced loss i think it's that empathy isn't it yeah it you is know, you've felt the same yeah. pain as as i have yeah. and and i think that's i think that's why <clears throat> hopefully with those listening that are suffering it will help you know yeah and just yeah that that awareness that um you know people will throw the cliches at you of you know time heals and all the rest of it and even if there are times you know there might be times 10 15 20 years down the line where it, you still get that wave of grief but it does get easier it does get easier because you do you have to learn to live with it yeah. and life does go on and you have to remember how how um you know fortunate you are to wake up and breathe every day that's, exactly you know it's not to be taken for granted definitely now that is that's a really nice way to end but we haven't ended quite yet if you could sit down with your mum one last time yeah what do you think you would say to her it's quite a difficult one yeah it is but I think it's a special one because, you know, I, and I think about it all the time. You know, if you had one conversation or what you would say, and, and I know generally what the one thing yeah. people would say is. Thank but, you. I love you. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know. I think I, I'd probably want to show her the boys and everything that we've done sorry <laughs> and just I don't know I feel like I feel like she would be proud and so having an opportunity to say you know I did it mum these are my books <laughs> these are my babies your grandchildren my sister's got um, kids as well um, this is my husband she never met James um, and yeah maybe invite her around for Christmas <laughs> And say, you know, we still keep the traditions going. And don't worry, if we go to a National Trust property, I still take a picnic. <laughs> Just time to go a tissue. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
I did, that's beautiful and <coughs> I'm trying not to cry here myself but um, <laughs> you must get just get this every week <laughs> yeah no it's, you know each conversation is never easy and, and, and it's that that one thing which runs through our heads all the time and yeah and it's a conversation that um, it's like, the injustice isn't it that you will never have that conversation you'll never you know, have that conversation you can't yet. have it it remains unsaid yeah but look, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm so pleased you've come to speak with me Thank today. <laughs> and, you know, like I've said, I'm sure a lot, all of our listeners will get something out of this. And I really appreciate you coming on. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>